You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt and not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. What's up, guys? My name is Parker McDonald, and I'm your host. And you are listening to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm here with Drew Robbins. Drew, how's it going, man? Parker, what's up, man? Going good, going good. Just uh, getting everything ready for Christmas and getting all that stuff situated. You know, we've already started the Christmas party deal and all that stuff. And got another one this week, so we're, um, uh, you know, busy with all that. And then on top of that, my, I know you had your dad in last week. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and we're going to talk about that some, but, um, uh, my mom and dad came in, um, today actually. So we're going to hunt, um, over the next four or five days awesome. see if we can't get some, um, some horns on the ground. And your brother's here too, right? Or he's going to be here? Uh, no, he actually had to back out at, at the last second. And oh, so man. he, he will not be able to make it. Yeah. It's, it's and so it's, it's, it's just me and pops is, um, th- this coming week. And so we'll probably hunt through probably maybe Monday. Um, okay. and, um, should be pretty good. I mean, you know, uh, weather's going to be nice and cool and cold. And so, uh, hopefully, uh, be up and moving. I actually saw quite a few this afternoon when I was out driving around and, um, that's awesome. And so, so that's, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good sign. That's a good, good sign. So hopefully that... we'll, we'll be, be able to shoot some stuff this weekend. Shoot. Yeah, man. That's cool. I know, You've got one buck tag left in your pocket for the state of Alabama, so you got to make it count. Like you can't just go. I do, off. man. It's, it, yeah, it's it, it's the most because uh, I've 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 never tagged out before on you know like filling all my buck tags and then and I I actually felt like if I would have hunted because. I I haven't hunted too much over the last couple of weeks just because my dad was coming in. 
and and I wanted to be able to go with him, and and so I just kind of held off. I went off and um, I killed a doe with my bow, and got some more meat there in the freezer on that. And so, but past that, man, over the last couple of weeks, I I I haven't been hardly at all because I I felt like I was on them pretty good, and mm-hmm. if and if I went, there was a good chance I would I would have a ch- have a chance at killing another buck and i just i'll be honest man you know i want to hunt with 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 my dad and um and so i i just kind of held off on that but it's it's weird i'm i've never been in this predicament before where i'm like you know what i'm just going to kind of ease up during the middle hunting season just kind of pump the brakes for a little bit and during the rut of all times my yeah you know i mean the most of the public that we hunt is in the rut i mean it it may be pretty close to over it's probably still heated up a little bit right now but I mean, here in the next few days, it's going to be over. But where you're at, which is just not far, it's it's uh, no. just getting started. So, yeah, it is. It That's is. Good. It is. So hopefully we can we can get Dad on a on a buck and um and and he can shoot one and or maybe a couple and that that'll be awesome. That's cool, man. I hope y'all get them. Hope y'all get on them, Drew. I'm I'm going to ask you three questions, okay? And I want you to answer right. them as quickly and efficiently as possible but also i mean don't hold anything back drew let me ask you this what is your choice in hunting clothing camo whatever you want to call it what is your choice oh four letters scree four letters gear s-k-r-e yep yeah, I'm. I'm gonna yep. have to agree with you on that, and uh, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna admit one thing because I'm a. I'm. I try to be as realistic as I possibly can. Um, I don't have mm-hmm. a whole lot of exposure in the realm of like expen- expensive hunting apparel. Um, you know, good jackets, right. wind breaking jackets, uh, rain gear, and all that. I don't. I don't really have a whole lot of exposure into that, mostly because I couldn't afford it. But when I found out about Scree, it it really kind of opened my eyes to the opportunity of being able to, you know, get a little bit less bulky as far as um, once I started hunting out of a saddle, especially. Uh, I wanted I, I didn't want to be a big old yeah. Michelin man walking through the woods, you know, with 14 layers of thick stuff on. So now that I've got my Scree right. gear and I've come up with a system, I've used their system, rather. Um, I'm not that way anymore. I'm not bulky. The bulkiest thing I ca- I I have is my the the down jacket, which that thing is. I mean, light as all get out. Oh man! And it's, it's amazing. Light. And it do not walk in with that thing on because you will be sweating by the time you get to the bottom of your tree. Oh yeah, I think I think most days. I mean, down into the 30s, you could probably get by with a short sleeve shirt and. That jacket. I mean, that thing is warm. Um, yeah, and also the uh, the merino hoodie, the three hundred gram mm-hmm. merino hoodie, and then the vest. I've been rocking that during even even now. I mean, um, yeah. you know, in the mid forties, that's that's what I'm wearing, and, and um, it's it it it's been so awesome. I actually sold all my other camo, and um, to so I can buy the screen gear because just like you, I, I've, I've never had, I've, I've, I've never been the guy that's been, been able to go out and just buy whatever camo that I wanted. Yeah. And so, but I, I had accumulated so much camo over the years that I sold all that 
to buy Scree stuff, and it's been it's been a great decision. Oh yeah, and the best part is you can use the code Southern Ground, all one word, at checkout, and that will save you ten percent on Scree gear. So go and do that. Save yourself a little question bit. Question number one. That a was little question money. number one. All right. So that, there's question number one. Question number two is if you had to choose one saddle to sit in for the rest of your life, which saddle would you choose? Tethered. A tethered saddle. Which one specifically do you think you would choose? Which I guess you haven't you haven't well, tried all of them. I ha- I haven't tried all of them, and and so um, you would you would actually let me ask you that, Parker, because you've actually sat in uh, hunting from from both of them. Um, um, which one would you prefer? Uh, definitely the Phantom. Out of all the saddles I've tried, yeah. and I've 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 sat in a lot of different saddles, and the Phantom just fits me so stinking good. Now, I have not tried the Eberhardt Signature Saddle, which is one of the things that's on my list. I think I would really like it. I think I would like that that uh, that two-panel design. Um, but definitely the yeah. Tethered Phantom. I'm a, I'm a, a diehard Tethered fanboy, if you will. Um, anybody who's on the Facebook groups knows what a Tethered fanboy is, and I are one. So, um, and, I, and, I don't, and I don't care to say it. I, I ain't scared of it. I'm going to be one. And I'm actually thinking about making a T-shirt, a Southern Ground hunting T-shirt that says Tethered Fanboy, um, just because I like them so much. But more than that, they're great guys. They really do care about saddle hunting and um, getting saddle hunting to the masses, uh, more so than selling their brand or anything like that. Uh, these guys are just awesome. So send your support. If you're interested in getting into saddle hunting, go check out tetherednation.com. My third question, Drew, is... If there were one kayak that would fit all of your hunting and kayak hunting needs, what do you think that one would be? Um, I would have to say the new canoe, and more specifically, the new canoe Frontier 12. Yeah, I'd say so too. And we don't even really have to talk about that because it speaks for itself. If you just go watch the YouTube channel, the Southern Ground Hunting YouTube channel, you can see it in action and how much weight that thing can carry. Um, it's and comfortably carry too. Like it's not even hard to to carry out a deer. Yeah, it's awesome. So if you are interested in yeah. getting into it, man, I think people should definitely be checking out New Canoe before they check Duck out. Duck hunters else. too, man. Duck hunters mm-hmm. don't miss out on on it. I'm telling you, it's 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 wide. Um, it's very very stable. Um, you can you can put a, a blind over top of it. I mean, it's it. So duck hunters, I'm. I know with all this, you know, cold weather we got, we we got some of the guys on on our forums and pages that also duck hunt. So don't do not sleep on it for for a uh, um, for a duck blind either. Yeah, and my favorite thing is that you can. It's so versatile, man. I mean, me and Dad took mm-hmm. took his out and put a trolling motor on his, and I used my outboard motor. Like, what other kayak do you know that comes ready for an outboard motor for you to just throw it on there? I mean, it's just awesome, yep. man. And that thing has saved me. So much time, it saved me a lot of really, really long paddles. Heck, the 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 buck we're going to talk about today, it. I mean, the only reason I was able to kill that deer and get back there is because I had that motor, and I was able to get back as far as I did. So, I mean, it's just yeah. it's just awesome, and we don't have to harp on it for too long. But I do think that if you're interested in getting into kayak hunting, you need to check out New Canoe for sure, and uh, check out some of their new stuff. I, I just recently saw. And uh, heard through the grapevine that they are going to be releasing a new model soon. So 
if they haven't already. They may have already done that, but um, check that out. But, Drew, I got to tell you something. Let me tell you something that gets on, on my nerves. Keyboard Warriors. Come on. They I'm get on. telling you, man. I can't. Uh, oh, gosh. I, it's, it's so frustrating because, especially in the hunting community, we're not supposed to be bashing each other. We're supposed to be on the same team, you know, going the same direction. But no, I mean it, it's it's the most frustrating thing whenever you whenever you see guys post a picture of a buck, um, or or a doe or just anything, and um, immediately like the keyboard warriors just start coming out, and they just start. You should have gave another year. Should have done this. Should've... And I'm just like, I'm like guys, it he did he did he spotlight it? You know, was it illegal? No. Then <laughs> then what he did was completely fine. You know, yeah. and it's just. It's, and it's it's gotten it's so bad. much. I mean, it's gotten so far past that. Even like at this point, people are yeah. arguing about what freaking saddle they're using, or um, you know what camo they they use. It's just like it's it's so high school or junior high. Even it's just a junior high yeah. thing, and it gets on my nerves so bad. We've gotten uh, a, a few negative comments here lately, um, just mostly stupid stuff but there was there was one specific on youtube that really just rubbed me the wrong way and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna call the guy out unfortunately i have to see this guy in person again um so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna call him out on anything but he uh it, it's it's a fella that hunts around the same area and he just he just basically accused accused he accused me of stealing like three trail cameras which was the the first thing that really kind of got him on earth but just went on there and just took it to a public forum to just call somebody out and bash them and like and that's what he did he eventually deleted it because a whole bunch of people thank you to if you're listening to this and you're one of the people who uh came to the defense on that i appreciate that because i i didn't you know drew you're that you're in this kind of the same boat as i am um we're both pastors at a church and right. and we can't like always say what we want to say because we still uh, even on a hunting YouTube channel and on our Facebook and hunting groups, we still have to represent um, our our job or rather our calling. Right. And we have right. to do that no matter what. So we don't always get the opportunity to really go out there and say like how we really feel. But and, and so uh, enough on that specific situation. If you're listening to this and you find yourself in a situation on Facebook where you can either say nothing at all or you can tear somebody down. Maybe just consider saying nothing at all. Like just don't just don't talk because nobody actually is going to change their opinion based on what you say. Like nobody's going to go out and buy if somebody is let's just say somebody's sold out to the idea of buying a tethered phantom and you want to get on there and basically just bash tethered and talk crap about tethered maybe just don't do that or maybe send them a private message saying hey i recommend this other brand and here's why like that that's how normal people like that's that's how we communicate you communicate to each other you yeah. don't don't just sit there and talk crap so um that that was a, a an unfortunate thing that we had to deal with a little bit this week and um i i don't know well, man also what it does too it will, and it always seems to happen on public land more, you know, and which, yeah. which is, 
which is bad because I mean, you know, there 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 are guys that um, either choose not to get on a lease and hunt public only, or or can't just because of of, of, of money situations, or because they 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 lost their land, yada yada yada, and, and so. But man, like I mean, it's it it's it's public land, like it's we're all public land owners. It's it's there for everyone to use and to enjoy, and and it, and and it's stuff like this where, where where people hear about it and they're like, well, that's why I'm not going to go hunt public is because because of stuff like this. And it's like, well, you know, do not let one bad apple spoil everything for you. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are a lot of good dudes out there that are doing it the right way. Um, you know, one of the things that 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 I saw a lot of in Arkansas with with, with duck hunting was like, dude, I've seen grown men fight at the boat launch, <laughs> and I'm like. Like you do realize you're fighting over a duck hole, right? Like, I mean, we're not. No one, no one even said anything about your mama. Like, you're you're throwing hands over a duck hole, you know, and um, it's and it's it's all public land, and it's 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 just crazy what what some guys do, and um, you know, and and just guys, you can't say anything nice, man. Just just go straight kindergarten style. Like I tell my six year old girl, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. You yeah. know, um, and 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 also quit quit giving public a bad name. You know, stop yeah. it. Yeah, it it, us. it took Killing me a us. long time to to go ahead and decide to commit to public land just because you know I didn't want to have to deal with that kind of stuff. And and it happens on leases and club land too. It's it's not just it public does. land. Yeah. I mean, but I mean that's it's a stereotype of public land for a reason. And so. Um, and lastly, on this kind of little short rant that really does, it, it will lead into the podcast this, the, for today, um, but don't ask somebody where they kill the deer at. Like, don't do that. <laughs> if they want to tell you, well, they don't. will tell you. <laughs> if they're not saying it, yeah. it's for very good reason. Like, don't ask somebody, hey, where'd you kill that deer at? And if they don't tell you the truth, don't be upset about it. They probably put a lot of work into finding that deer, and they don't really want to share it with you. So just don't ask. Yeah. Like I feel like we would we would be much better off if people would say, "Hey, that's a good buck. Congratulations," and be done. Like don't ask if they want to tell you, then they'll tell you. So that's kind of where that that yeah, whole and, uh, that whole and don't get offended when when they say, "Oh well, I killed it in the woods." Yeah. <laughs> You know, or don't like, get offended like, whenever they whenever they tell you a different spot that's actually not the same spot. That's just that's yeah. It's it's a it's a a way of, um, I guess it's a way of conserving or maybe preserving the areas that we have found and we've invested a lot of time in. Um, it it's just it's how you preserve that. You don't preserve it by by telling everybody what is it loose lips sink, sink ships. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just anyway. Yeah. And and there so yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for that. Guys just don't just don't be that guy. Yeah, I don't be, that, don't guy. be that guy. That guy sucks. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. So just don't be that guy. Just don't be that guy. But we do have a good conversation for today that I think uh I think you will learn something from. And uh some of you guys may may not. Um it may be a whole bunch of stuff that you already know, but um, we've been getting a lot of questions here lately about several different subjects, and I feel like I can um, maybe tell my experiences 
through this little recap from the past couple of weeks that we're about to do um, and, and things that I've just seen and the things that I'm keying in on and really learning. I've talked about it just a little bit um, in the past couple of podcasts that we've done, just me and you, Drew. And um, but yeah. but there are a couple of specific things that I want to maybe dive into a little bit more. But um, while you have one buck tag, I think I think the last time me and you talked, uh, and we did our we did our podcast two weeks ago, I believe mm-hmm. we uh, we both had one buck tag in our pocket, and um, right, you had just killed. Your dear, I didn't really have a whole lot to talk about after the Missouri trip, and um, it right. was it was pretty non-eventful for me. But while I was in Missouri, you were off killing killing a buck and does, and like you're just <laughs> yeah. no, you killed two bucks in, in in that podcast. Like you you got to talk about two bucks. So um, yeah. that was cool, and and you know, I mean, you said it yourself. You've never been in this situation where you only had one buck tag left in Alabama. And uh, it's just a cool spot to be in. And I, I personally like being in that place because um, it helps me to be, you know, just a little more, um, I guess, aggressive may be the right word. I can, I, I'm can i going after mm-hmm. a, a good buck at this point. You know, when I've got one buck tag left, I'm going to go and I'm starting to go into the areas where it's like, okay, this is where the big deer are. This is where I know big deer live. And so I'm going to go in there. And, uh, and that's right. what I did, you know, that's, that's kind of how, how it all happened. So we're going to recap this, uh, this, this, uh, rut, rut, I guess, Alabama, it wasn't really rutcation. Um, we will talk about rutcation a little bit, but just this, uh, Alabama 2020 rut that I got to experience and ultimately tag out on. Um, and also if you would like, you can go and watch the video on YouTube right now. It's already up and I'm about to put up the second one. But uh, yeah, Drew, it was a it was a good a good solid, um, uh, really first two rifle sits that I got to have this year. Um, mm-hmm. I had never t- killed my uh, first two bucks in Alabama with a bow. I usually kill I usually kill one buck with a bow in Alabama. Maybe if I go on a out of state hunt or something like that, I might kill another one. But usually, I just kill my one buck with a bow, and that's because. You know as well as I do, it, it's just difficult during archery season to to find where the bigger deer are actually at. And, um, yeah. you know, I feel like through this season I've gotten a little bit better at it, and maybe next year my my encounters will go up more than, than it has this year. But I was able to kill two two of my Alabama bucks with a bow, and that was a fun a fun thing because it was like, okay, now, I mean, once the rut gets here with a rifle, I can start being like, you know, really aggressive with my rifle, which I've never gotten to really um, do just right off the bat. So, yeah. do you remember me telling the story? Uh, it was several, several, maybe a, a month or it, two months ago, even. I think it was um, in like middle October. Uh, I had an encounter with a deer, with a buck in an area that uh, that I had scouted at during the during the turkey season and it was a really good a really good area and I felt really confident that I was going to see a buck in my first time going in there to hunt it I actually had that buck come through and bed down like 80 yards away from me um yep do you remember that you remember me talking about that yes um and I ended up sitting (laughs) sitting there all day long from daylight till dark I sat there in early October so it was hot and 
I didn't see any other deer. And then finally, right at dark, as I'm climbing down, that buck gets up and he, uh, he walks into range and obviously I'm not prepared at all and it's dark. I can't see anything. So, um, I don't kill him. And I never went back in there until my first sit with a rifle, which was, oh man, I guess it would have been November, I mean, December the 5th. Uh, it was my first sit with a rifle coming back out of Missouri. I decided to go into that spot because I felt like I could get on that same buck again. Um, because that, that area is just, it lays out really perfectly for, um, not not a whole lot of deer like it's going to be a big buck area he's gonna it's kind of just going to be his little bedroom right there especially on that wind direction so it's a wind coming kind of out of the northeast that really that blows over a point looking over the water and the water that I access by and it's just a little tiny block of woods that's surrounded by clear cut and I've been really trying to key in a lot on clear cuts and and figuring out their entries and exits uh, using those clear cuts. And we talked about that a little bit for you because you were doing the same thing and your bucks, uh, one of your bucks right. came out of a clear cut and, um, right. and my, my first buck of the season came out of a clear cut as well. And so we've talked a little bit about that. We probably talked to death really, but, um, I went back into that area and I got a little bit closer to where I saw that deer at the, the first time, uh, a little bit closer to where I could, I could be downwind of him and, and not spook him, and I might still see him. Well, I did. So I saw this buck again uh, this day, and I had my rifle with me, and I could have shot him, but it was just so thick in that area, and I just could not, I couldn't tell what the buck actually was. I couldn't see, I couldn't see his head very good. I could just see him walking through, and it was about 11 o'clock. It was late. But he, uh, he came just really just, had an agenda he was just walking out of the clear cut and back into that little block of woods probably to go in bed on that point for the rest of the day and doing almost exactly what I thought he was going to do the the difference is is that he ended up walking right next to the tree that I hunted the first day um, that I hunted there and he didn't use the same the same route so I want to talk about that so there are several different things that I'm learning about hunting these areas around clear cuts and cutovers where they will use terrain like subtle terrain features um in this case it's like just a very slight change and just a slight dip where there's a creek it's kind of just a drainage coming off that cut and um but it's not it's not big you can barely see it on the map the first time i saw him he was walking that the second time i right. saw him he was walking thick the thickest cover that he possibly could that was in there. It was just a line of really short, really branchy bushes that came out of that, out of that clear cut, which would be, you know, I, you, you would call that a hard edge. But the thing that I put together in my head is the time of year that I saw him on both of those. So in October, as we all know, leaves are on you, the deer have so much more, um, more cover they can they can kind of walk wherever they if they're in the woods they can feel comfortable in a lot more places because they have so much cover and so with that he he chose the terrain feature that gave him a little bit of an edge right there it gave him a little bit of a of a security cover using that small little dip 
But later in the season, obviously in December, the leaves have dropped. And that slight right. little dip doesn't offer the same amount of cover. So he chose to go into this and travel the spot that had more um, more branches, which was interesting to see. They were only about 50 yards from each other. They weren't far, but it was interesting to see how he changed his pattern. He changed his route based on the leaf cover, even though it wasn't that far different. Um, have you seen Have you seen those patterns like that start to change as the leaves fall, even if it's just slight? Yeah, I I've seen travel routes that will, um, at least when it comes to a you know bigger buck, because um, um, most most of your does will um, just travel however they. I mean they're 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 pretty consistent. You know they will they will stay on the same trail and most of what you see on like like the beat down trails and stuff like that. What I have seen is that's a, that's a lot of does going back and forth, um, and then during the rut, obviously. Uh, uh, a buckle um i'm run that sometimes but even then i've seen them parallel a a um a doe trail um in that thick cover you know um yeah. and and so uh with with a mature buck he's what i have seen is that he he will always he he will always travel with the most cover that's available to him um outside of the rut like you know once the rut hits he's just he gets some you know he just gets back crazy you know and so there there are times where he's he's just like hey i'm just i'm I'm after her and and obviously that's that's the times that that we we love being there in the woods because that's normally our most um um that's our highest probability of killing him is during that but i mean also that's only two weeks you know out of the whole year and so um yeah uh, uh what and so what what I've seen is those bigger deer um, always will go with with a thicker cover. Like um, the the deer that the deer that I shot and missed um, when I was hunting in 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 the cutover uh, about three weeks ago, the deer that I shot and missed was a bigger deer. Um, he didn't come to the creek crossing that I shot the other deer on. So um, for those that that didn't hear that, um, I shot and missed at a bigger buck on the same morning that I killed my, um, first, um, Alabama buck. And so the, the one that I killed was smaller than, than the big buck and, and the big buck stayed in the thickest, nastiest stuff through there. And I had one hole or so I thought, and, um, looking back, I didn't have much of a hole at all, you know? And, and, but that's, that's where he crossed that was right there as opposed to the, the smaller buck that walked, you know, right out in the middle of the um um creek crossing which i'm like okay cool boom you know and but um that's the difference between a big buck and a smaller buck is that right there yeah for sure um and and i see that kind of stuff happen all the time and i just see the change i got to see the change right there just in how he chose to go in and come out of that that big that big thick bedding area and so um, that was yeah. interesting. You know, it was a good hunt. Uh, I sat there and from daylight till about uh, two o'clock, I think, and I had some stuff I had to get done, so I, I wasn't able to stay for very long or for the rest of the day. But there was a good chance I could have seen him if I would have been able to sit all day. But after watching the the footage that I got, I got very 
very spotty footage of him because it was so thick. And he was probably, I don't know, 80 yards away. Um, I had a couple of opportunities that I could have shot him, but I chose not to because I just I wasn't positive that he was the buck that I wanted. Probably would have been happy with him after watching the footage. I probably would have been okay and um, would have been able to live with that decision had I shot him. But I'm glad I didn't. Um, uh, mostly because uh, I'm not I'm not a good a good gun guy, Drew. Like I I'm just I'm not the guy that goes out and buys a whole bunch of guns and cleans them every weekend and does all this and that and whatever. Like whenever I'm <laughs> when it's deer season and I'm I'm bow hunting. Like if if it, if I'm got a bow in my hand, I'm concentrated on that bow. So we did that. Uh, velvet hunt in August with Adam. I I went with Adam and Jonah and uh, Adam killed right. a big deer and it was during Hurricane Laura and it rained on us the whole dang time. Like it was just miserable rain. Well, once I was done with that hunt, like it was bow season. Like I, I went to Kentucky the next week with my bow. And so I was so concentrated on getting all my arrows set up right and everything that I didn't even take out that rifle again. And while I was on that hunt, um, that we just talked about with the, uh, the with that buck that came out, which was my first rifle hunt in Alabama this year, I uh, I noticed that there was a ton of rust all all inside the barrel. And there wasn't rust on the outside, which I wasn't so I wasn't really like all that concerned with it because I didn't have it didn't rust on the outside, but on the inside I was like crap, man, that's that's rough. So I actually took it to a gun shop later that day and showed the guy. Uh, uh, give him a shout out, um, John Mitchell there at Vans, uh, and he was yep. like, he was like, uh, yeah, it's pretty rough. <laughs> I don't know that you, I don't know that you'll be able to <laughs> like. It's probably pit. It looks pitted in there and stuff. Like it was bad. It was bad rust. And I know that's a party foul for um, those two A guys and stuff. But I'm just I'm not really much of a gun guy. Like I don't buy new guns. I've had this same rifle for. My whole life, it's uh, it's the 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 Old Testament. We talked about it a little bit, and the guy named it the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I I just I'm not I'm not good with guns. So I actually went out and I was like, you know what? I got a little bit of early Christmas money. I'm gonna buy a new rifle. So I bought a new rifle, and it's another thirty hot six because I like thirty hot six, and it's it has like a it's not scree pattern, but it looks exactly like scree. And it's just a sweet gun. So I went out and bought that and sighted it in the next day, which was a Friday, that uh, I, I could have been I, – I wanted to be hunting, but I just – actually, it's a funny story. I went out. I drove to the, the land. I drove an hour to the public land that I was going to hunt. And, man, I just started feeling guilty. Like, I just started feeling like, man, I haven't even shot this thing. And it was boar-sighted. Like, I could have I hit a deer. But I just started feeling really guilty about it. I was like, you know what? No. So there I was at 4.30 in the morning. I already had my kayak unloaded, and I just got back in the truck. I loaded it back up, got back in the truck, and went home. And uh, and sighted it in that day, got everything ready, got confident. And come to find out, I could have killed a deer at probably 100 yards with with how it was boar sighted. It was, it was fine. Um, but I didn't hunt that day. And instead, I started making arrangements and making my plans for – Saturday, which was going to be a really good win for a spot that mm-hmm. I was really excited about. And I think I've talked about it this year. 
Um, I think I've talked about it on the podcast actually this year. This spot, it is uh, a long boat ride, a long boat ride, like, a, like just it's a it's a long ways. It's it's over four miles, and four miles in the dark, and you you ha- one of the things that people don't really tell you to expect about hunting with water access is that in the morning it's going to be foggy on the water. Like very rarely yeah. do I have days when it's not foggy on the water. It's almost always foggy. You can't like you can use a headlamp or have lights like some type of lighting system on your boat, but it's not going to cut through that fog. It's just going to make it harder to see. It's almost easier to just do it in the dark and use the moonlight and the starlight to do it. Because you can't see, you can't see tree lines, you can't see like silhouettes of anything when you have a light on in that fog. So I don't care if you've got a motor or not, whatever you're using, you're going to have to take it really slow and to be safe on the water at dark early in the morning. It's a little bit different late at night. Late at night, it's not, the fog hasn't had a chance to set in most of the time, but in the morning, it's just going to be there. And so when you start looking at you know, over four miles in a boat, my, my motor will push me at about 10 miles, nine, probably more like eight to nine miles an hour at full speed. So in the fog, when it's dark, I'm going super slow. It ended up taking me about, um, about an hour and a half to get, to get back into this spot. So the way the spot lays out, it's a long, like I said, it's a long ways back there. And it's very small. It's not a big chunk of public that's right there. And it's it's pretty difficult to access, actually. It's it's more of a, um, a, a hike, like a vertical hike to get out of the out of the water and on top of the mountain. It's it's just tough, man. It's a, it's a hard hike. It's bluffed out. So you got to climb bluffs. And it I think it it kind of keeps some pressure out of there. Just how steep it actually is to get up to that spot. And it's just a long ways back there. And guys, even using a boat, are are most of the time it, it just it just deters a lot of people. And so I I actually went and hung a trail camera in there before I went to Kentucky, and scouted it out quite a bit. Found a lot of fresh buck sign in there, and it was it was awesome. I mean, it's so thick. It's super thick. It crowds up next to some private land that has a clear cut on it, which I love, and and I'll just kind of kind of briefly describe the property. It's got it's a it's a drainage that comes down out of that clear cut, and um, on top of either side of that drainage, it's a steep gully. I mean, it's nasty. And on top of it, on either side, there's just thick, thick, nasty woods, pine thickets up there, real short pines, lots of undergrowth, um, and the hardwoods that are in there. I I, I wish I was better at. Um, my tree identification and stuff, but it's just really thick. It's lots of, lots of beech trees in there, and it just makes for really good cover. And conveniently, on where that thick stuff starts, it's all pretty thick. It's and none of it's wide open. It's all pretty thick. But hold on, I think my daughter's trying to come in here. It sounds like she's trying to come <laughs> into this room. Either that or I have a, a ghost that lives in my house. Um, anyway, it's all pretty thick. And conveniently, that tra- that hard line to that thicket is 
um, on the top third of the like the the hard line is like on that top third line. So it it makes yeah. it to where the deer can travel this hard edge right here. They can travel that with the wind coming over, the thermals coming up out of the bottom, and they're traveling on the line. So it's like just one of those spots that you look at and you're like, this is this is everything that I've ever wanted. It lays out just perfectly for uh, a cruising spot uh, or just a spot where a deer would just prefer to walk at. And sure enough, you get up there and there's – a very very distinct trail that follows that top third, um, that military crest, and it's slight. The, the the military crest, the actual bench, is not is not super noticeable, but the line, the hard transition line, is very noticeable. And so I hung a trail camera up there and um, decided that day, that Saturday, that I was going to go in and try to you know hunt it and then go check that trail camera because rutcation was coming up the whole next week. I was off all the next the whole next week. And Dad was coming into town, and at the time, he was going to bring his bass boat, and we were going to be able to get back there super easy, or a lot easier than using the kayak. But I wanted to check that trail camera and make sure that it would be worthwhile to even go in there, because if if it if there weren't any bucks on it, I probably would just say, let's not waste our time. And um, so I went in there, hunted it, got in there late, and um, basically at about 8.15, I had a doe come out just walking that same line. She came out of the thick stuff and she ended up doing something a little bit different. She didn't stay on the thick line. She instead stayed on the top third. So there's one point where the thicket kind of goes on top of the ridge, but the rest of the ridge kind of circles back around. It's really hard to explain it, to explain how it does it. Um, but she ends up coming within 10 yards of my tree. And I looked at her and I said, that's a hot doe. She had her tail up. She was trotting. She would stop every couple feet and look behind her. And she ended up walking from in front of me at about my 11 o'clock, walked right next to me, right next to my tree, and ended up behind me at about my 7 o'clock. And when she walked by me, I filmed her. And if you watch the video, you can tell 100% this is a hot deer. She is, she's in, in estrus at the moment. And everything inside of me said, she's getting chased by a buck. There's a buck behind her. Everything inside of me told me that from what I've seen, everything that I know about deer hunting, that is one thing that I know is that a, a doe comes in walking like that and acting that way, there's going to be a buck. But my, my stupid, dumb self... <laughs> I'm just, Drew, like, of all of the times that I can think of when I have screwed up a deer hunt by being dumb, this is at the very top of the list. Like, I can't, th <laughs> I cannot think of a time when I have made a worse decision in the deer woods. Instead of focusing my, all of my attention right directly in front of me and waiting for a buck, I instead decided that it would be a whole lot better of an idea for me to get my film of this doe and watch her go behind me. And so I have all of my attention at about my 7 o'clock, and I'm filming her. Well, she hits my walk-in trail, and she hits it, and she stops like she hit a brick wall. 
and she jolts a little bit. <laughs> and this whole time, I'm kind of like keeping the my eyes peeled as much as like I'm I'm watching her because I want to know where she goes, and I'm kind of looking back the direction she came just to see if there's anything over there. But I'm not focused over there. And she hits my scent trail. She jolts. She runs back the exact same trail that she came down. And I follow her with the camera. And as I get to right, as my eyes get to right in front of me, I catch movement 50 yards directly in front of my tree. Like just right there. I catch (laughs) movement and I see the largest set of antlers that I have seen in the woods probably ever. I mean, it's hard to tell when you only get a split second to look at it. It's hard to tell, but it was, it was a moment where everything felt, um, my, my world was crashing as, as the moment progressed in that split (laughs) second, I felt so many emotions because here I am out there. I spent so much time getting into there, into that spot it took a lot of effort. I, I got up at two o'clock that morning just to do it, just to get there. And um, here I was being presented with the best shot opportunity that I was going to get on a big, huge buck. Probably, I mean, realistically, probably for the rest of the season. I probably wasn't going to get an opportunity like that again because I've only had so many of them in my lifetime. Like, I can assume it's not going to happen again this season. And that deer, he moves his head just a little bit from his standing position and then just takes off like a bat out of hell right behind her into the thicket. And as he runs off, Drew, it's like, I can't describe it. (laughs) I cannot describe it, dude. It was like, my first instinct is, that is a record book whitetail. Now, yeah. At this point, I I feel confident that he's he's not maybe as big as I thought he was, but he is still. I mean, he is still probably my biggest deer ever. I think I think he would probably push one forty five ish. Now, at first, my first instinct yeah. was like that's a one seventy, like that's a giant because he's running away. I'm looking at him from the back, and they always look bigger from the back. And but I mean, yep. he is. He is just a tank, man. He is a tank. And he runs off and I get my gun up and I'm trying to I'm trying to find a spot to shoot him and I just can't. Like my my I don't know, my moral compass, I guess, would not let me take a shot through that thick stuff as he's running away. And uh and he ran away. <laughs> he got away. And dude yeah. I promise you, because I didn't hear him. I didn't hear him running. I mean, the leaves are crunchy right now. If he would have been running like she was, I would have heard him and been able to turn around and get my shot off. But I didn't hear him. Like, there's no telling how slow he was going and how long he stood there at 50 yards right in front of me. Like, yeah, who knows? (laughs) I don't know. Good thing is is that he he wasn't like he he didn't he didn't spook enough. He, he he just followed the doe that was running, you know. He did, and yeah. So, he just followed um, her, and but she definitely wasn't coming back because she, I don't know, I don't think she smelled me just because I felt like the thermals were were pulling down 
still at the time they hadn't they hadn't started rising yet out of that bottom. So she, I don't think she smelled yeah. me. I think she smelled my trail, my walking trail, because that's right where she froze. And um, yeah, I mean, and and just to kind of describe a little bit how I set up on this on this area, I set up a little bit downhill. So I set up to where the very very top of the ridge. I was probably only about five feet higher than the very top of the ridge. So I was set up in such a way that I could, I could, um, I could, you know, hopefully kill a deer before it got to my thermal, my rising thermals late in the morning. But if it came out before the thermal started rising, my, obviously they'd be, they'd be dropping and the wind was in my face. It was going over that ridge. And so I felt like I was in a, a pretty bulletproof, situation unless the deer followed that same path that I took to get in which was you know it it was a chance I had to take it was my only route to get in there but that deer man I ended up you know I got a trail camera up there and he ended up walking right by it that morning 30 seconds before he came in front of me and uh and so when I pulled the camera I, I I definitely had a picture of him and uh, he was large, man. He was so big. If you go on our <laughs> on our YouTube channel, I put a vi- uh, picture of him in the video. But also, um, I posted a couple pictures on Instagram at at the uh, at Southern Ground Hunting on Instagram, so you can see the picture of him there. But he's a good one, man. He would have been my he would have been my best deer ever. And I just screwed it up, like for a guy that has yeah. had yeah. I've had some pretty good success this year. And I felt like everything for the most part has been going my way in that moment. None of that mattered. And I was the worst hunter ever. Like, yeah, like anybody could have killed that deer, especially with a rifle if they would have just paid attention. And so I think, you know, I'd like to say, hopefully I learned my lesson here in rut, rut movement. You know, if there's a doe that comes in acting like that, I can guarantee you, if it ever happens to me again like that, screw her, man. Like, I'm not watching her. I may try to get a little bit of footage of her as much as I can, but my focus immediately is going to go behind her and just watch the area. I don't care what she does. I'm not there to kill her. I'm there to kill her boyfriend, and I need to pay attention. And I think everybody can listen to this. Learn from my mistake you, if you're a hardcore deer hunter, you're gonna see a doe like this at some point. Pay attention, like don't, don't watch her. Like, she doesn't matter. You're not there to kill her. Maybe you are. I mean, if you're there to kill a doe, then I guess kill her. But if you're not, if you're there to kill a big buck, you need to be paying attention to where he's gonna come from. And if I would have just been doing that, man, there's no telling how this hunt could have ended up. So. Fast forward a little bit. I'm sitting there, man, and I'm like, crap. Like, that's literally the opportunity I've been waiting for my whole life. And I just screwed the pooch <laughs> on it. I was like, I just. And I have I have zero confidence that she's going to bring him back around because, I mean, honestly, there's not anywhere that they could go at that point. Um it's just it's water behind me and and really really steep rocky stuff i just don't see them going that direction if they have the the choice um so i don't see them coming back like she's spooked 
she smelled something. She's not going to lead him that direction. And he was a good probably 30 seconds behind her anyways. So I just don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to, I don't think it's going to probably pan out for me that day. But I texted my dad and I said, I told him the whole story and I was texting some other people too and telling them about it. And uh, I said, well, now I've got to, I've got to make the decision, you know, am I going to sell out to this one buck, which has not been anything I've ever done? Um, I'm just not that kind of guy. Am I going to sell out to this one big buck that I have seen that I know lives in here and say that I, I'm not going to shoot anything until I see him? Or am I going to keep my same standards of I'm going to kill a deer that is a good one that's going to make me happy? I'm going to kill any respectable buck because at this point I'm at the beginning of the rut, the very beginning of the rut, and I've got a hot doe that just came by me in an area that has a very, very good buck-to-doe ratio. So I can safely assume that I'm going to see another buck today. What am I going to do? I literally texted my dad that, like, I got to make a decision right now on if I'm only going to kill him. And um, as, I, as I'm sitting there kicking myself, probably 15 or 20 minutes later, I catch more movement on that same trail. And I quickly made the decision when I saw the buck that was running that trail. I mean, he was a, he's a good deer. And he came running by and did the same thing that that doe did. And he was not slowing down. And I tried to mat and I tried all kinds of stuff. And in that moment, I, you know, I made the, the choice that, yeah, he's a good one. I'm going to kill him. And so I shot him. And, uh, and long story short, you can watch the video if you want to see how it all panned out. Um, he ran a little ways. I put a terrible shot on him the first, the first shot. And I was able to get another, another one into him and, and ended up killing him. Um, but man, dude, what a stinking hunt. Like, I'm telling you, man, like Like, this deer, this deer that I killed, he's the, the second biggest deer I've killed in Alabama. Um, and so it was one of those, it was one of those things where I was like, do I take this, this opportunity on the, you know, one of the biggest deer that I've killed in this state, or do I wait for the biggest deer that I've killed in my life? And, you know, uh, guys, I've had some, a couple guys disagree with me and say like, no, why did you kill that deer? You got that other one running around in there. And there was a couple of things, honestly, that went into that decision. Um, Number one, I really wanted to get to hunt with my dad whenever he came. He was coming the next day, right. I think. It was the next day or the day after that. And I wanted to I wanted to get him, you know, on film killing a deer. That was that was a pretty big reasoning for me. And the second reason is is as hard as it was for me to get back to that area. People know like if if you know me and you know how I like to hunt. Like I don't really hold back anything. Like I'm pretty, I grind pretty hard, as hard as I as hard as I can. You know, I I try to get out there and and grind, and you know I I don't worry too much about the time that I have to wake up or how long it takes me to get there. I'm gonna adjust, and if I feel like I have a good opportunity to kill a deer, I'm gonna do that. But when you start getting into December, because our rut in Alabama is so late. And also because, you know, I hunt 
several states. And so I've been grinding since, dang, August. You know, I've been going at it hard yeah. since August. I only have so many, you know, five-mile kayak trips and, you know, three hours of sleep days that I, that I want to do. You know, I mean, I like to say that I, I grind hard and I try to. But at that point in December, I'm I'm wore out. I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to spend time with my family, and um, that was another thing, man. That just kind of went into it for me to to tag yeah. out. I wanted to be I wanted to be done, and I wanted to be be able to just kind of take a break for a minute. And uh, and this deer was he was more than good enough for me. I was very very happy with uh with this buck i mean he was he's a good solid mountain deer he's a he's a seven point which was kind of surprising to me when i walked up on him but he's got freaking thick bases his bases are mm -hmm. are just super thick one of the probably one of the heaviest antler deer that i've ever killed um he's got a really cool he carries his mass really good into his g2s He's got one G2 that blades really good, um, and it's just it's just fat. It's just super thick, and uh, man, I'm I'm tickled to death with him. I'm super happy about him, but I cannot tell you, Drew, that I have not thought probably at least ten times a day since that day. I haven't thought about that big buck, <laughs> and like, man, what if? What if I would have just been smarter? If I could have just been a little bit smarter in that moment, I would have been tagged out with the biggest buck of my life. Um, but I always come back to, man, at least I got the encounter, you know. At least I got, at least I get that. Like, I, yeah, I, I was stupid, but I, I still, you know, when when I missed that big deer in Kentucky, the beginning of the season, I thought about that deer until the next time I killed a deer. I mean, I was, I beat myself up bad about that. Um, but I always came back to like, I still, I still kind of beat him at his game. Like at least I got, I was close enough to shoot. If I would have been paying attention, we'd have had a dead deer on the ground. I, I, I almost beat him. And so being able to say that about a big, huge, mature buck, especially on public in Alabama, that's a, that's a cool thing. And so. You know, I've I've been able I've got the encounter. You know, hopefully that deer lives. If he lives, then man, I've got a I've got a a good buck to chase next year, and I'm excited. Oh yeah, about it. yeah. There's a couple things that came. Yeah, he. Go ahead. No, I was I was gonna say if he if he makes it through, he's gonna be a, I mean a sure enough giant. I mean a big big deer. Yeah. He will be. He'll be a stud. And in this area, the things I know about this area, there's a lot of studs. There's a lot of big ones. And so my plan is to um, have a camera in there a lot earlier next year and just kind of get some inventory of the type of deer that are in there. Because one thing about me is, you know, if I know the type of deer that are in there, I can start to really put the puzzle pieces together early and kind of come up with a plan, with a game plan. And I've had this spot in my mind since, since I mean, the first time I ever went there 
which was two years ago. I've only ever stepped foot on this piece three times. I did it two years ago, then this year when I hung the trail camera, and then the day I went in there and hunted it. And, um, I mean, now that I kind of know the area a little bit better, I feel feel more confident, you know, next year I can go in there and, and have a couple of good hunts in there, hopefully. And so, um, yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, there was a couple of things that came into play here, and one of them I already kind of talked about, and that's thermals. We've gotten a lot of questions about thermals yeah. lately. Uh, I get them on Instagram and on Facebook all the time. They hear us talk about it, and they don't really understand what it is. So just kind of a little bit of a, of a, a classroom moment here. Thermal is uh, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a really detailed um, analogy or example of, of being able to watch thermals in work. So we all – we've all heard the term that heat rises, right? And so – Think about, right. think about a really foggy, foggy day, like those days when, you know, you can see a very clear fog, um, in those, in those, in the woods, you know, you, we had one the other day actually, and two of them, it's been super foggy here lately. Um, so think about that fog and think about about eight thirty, nine o'clock that fog starts to burn off. That's what you always hear is it's, it's burning off because the sun is, is hitting it and it's starting to burn away. What's actually happening is that fog is lifting, like it's, it's rising. And you can, you can see it do it. If you're paying attention at that point, you can see as the sun starts to heat up the floor, it starts to heat up the forest floor, the, that fog starts to rise. Well, that's exactly what thermals are doing all of the time. You just always, you can't always see it in, in, you know, you can't always physically see it like you can with fog, but it's heating up the air and that air is starting to rise. But as the air is cooling down, it falls, it, it falls down. And so you use the thermal deer use thermals to their advantage um, to be able to smell multiple directions by getting in what's called a thermal tunnel or funnel, whatever you want to call it, which usually happens at a point that tends to be in the hill country on the top third, where um, if the thermals are rising, so let's say it's 9 o'clock in the morning, this is why you see a lot of buck movement at 9 o'clock when they're cruising um, later in the morning, it's because those thermals start to rise and the air is going and the wind is pushing over the top of that ridge and so they get the wind bringing the scent to them from that side and then the rising thermals is bringing the scent up so they're getting scent from two directions and it creates a a tunnel and and i actually had a guy uh brian ham who is the uh, a dog tracker that we've used before he was telling me as as i was explaining to him a couple days later, he went and he had a foggy day, and he actually saw the fog make that tunnel where it didn't really, it was kind of trapped. The wind was blowing one way, and then it was rising the other way, and it was creating that that wave look almost. And uh, so that was pretty cool. But that's kind of a, a, a I guess, a brief way to describe um, thermals. And the way that we can use that to our advantage it's by doing what I talked about earlier, getting in a place where you have the wind in your face and you would be able to see that deer on the ridge cruising before he gets to your point of it, to where he would be able to get your thermal mm-hmm. scent. 
Um, but you can also yeah. use it to your advantage in your access. So if it's it's if it's the morning time, most of the time as I'm accessing, I am going to try to access from the bottom up. I want to walk right. in into the bottom where my my thermals are pulling down and walk in uphill basically. And if you have the opportunity right. in the evening time, you can you do the opposite. Now what you have to remember is in both of those in the morning your thermals are eventually going to switch and they're going to start rising and in the evening when you get to that prime time of the evening they're going to start falling as the sun goes down and so you want to set yourself up in such a way that you get that advantage and you you don't ruin your hunt by thermals and some people some people find this to be one of the greatest advantages of hunting on the ground is that you can actually move when the thermals change you can move your positioning once the thermals yeah. change and get into a different spot that gives you a better advantage. Um, so that's just a, a kind of a brief thing. It helped, you know, it, it's helped me with almost all of the deer that I've killed. Um, taking that into account has been a big thing. Taking thermals into and, and understanding them. And one of the greatest ways you can do that is by picking up some milkweed, picking up some, you can use cotton yeah, balls. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Cotton balls, cattail, stuff, the fluff off of a cattail or whatever. Um, anything that's a, just a really light, um, almost air light, is going to be best to where you can you can tell which is stronger. And, you know, Drew, you kind of talked about it earlier as, as we were discussing what we were going to talk about. You kind of said the same thing, you know, um, you, you can't, you can't discount discredit wind direction and the strength of the wind. So the thing, the place where thermals right. really start to um, come into play a lot are really calm days. But if you have a really windy day, then the wind can override the thermals for sure. But right, right. But, but also too, if, if you have a really windy day um, and, and let's say you want to hunt in a bottom, well, a lot of your wind will be going over the top of you or the top of that bottom. And so you, you have to be conscious of where your thermals are going at because the the same reason that you're wanting to escape the wind is the same reason that those deer are going to want to escape it too, you know. Um, and and so you, you have to be careful. Whenever you um, get in the bottom, you know, it can um, the wind can switch on you. It, it can actually hit off the back of the hill and come back towards you. Um, and so there's a, there's a lot there that, I mean, just, just get in the bottom and the, the best way to do it guys is, is just to get in the bottom and, and just start dropping milkweed, you know, um, and just yeah. seeing what, um, seeing where it goes, um, do it throughout the whole morning. Um, you know, if it, if it starts to calm down, you know, nine, 10, 11 o'clock, then start dropping it and, and see how your meat, how, how, how your milkweed will actually it'll go all around the tree, you know, just depending on thermals or, or drawing to. And so it's, that's, that's been the biggest eye opener for, for me is that I don't really carry milkweed for wind direction. You know, I, I mostly carry milkweed for my thermals. And, and, and so, cause I mean, you can feel the wind hitting you in the face. You know, we've all had that dreaded moment where the deer's walking in, you're getting ready to, you know, uh, make the shot. And then all of a sudden the wind hits you in the back of the neck. 
and and it swapped on you, you know. Yeah. And all of a sudden, deer deer's head come up. He blows. That's all she wrote, you know. And 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 so um so I mean I can I can kind of tell wind direction just based on oh it's hitting me in the face it's hitting me there there in the cheek I can see it in the top of the trees, um but with the thermals man dropping that milkweed has been it it's been so crazy it, it it's been so so crazy that and then also one of the things too is that one of one of the things I I've seen a lot of is between eight and nine o'clock when it's when it's not quite heating up yet. And if and if you don't have any wind, maybe even even one or two miles an hour, um, I've I've dropped milkweed and it's just gone straight down, like straight to the bottom of my tree. And and I've had deer walk, you know, within five or ten yards of me and did not smell me because my scent was literally going straight down. It's the it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. It it really is the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I, it's it's really neat. And when it clicks for you, I just you know encourage you guys. I mean, this isn't just just a deer hunting thing like thermals are a, a real thing for a, a lot of different reasons you know i mean they're just it's 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 a, a thermal is as related to deer hunting as rain is like it's just a it's a weather thing more than anything a weather right. and you know i guess i guess science <laughs> it's just kind of science um, yeah and so you know go check you know check that stuff out read articles listen to podcasts there's a lot of good content about it out there. If you're still kind of confused or you want to learn more, um, just just Google search it and you'll find stuff. We actually did a podcast. Uh, one of the first podcasts that we did was with a guy named Nathan Protz, um, who's a buddy of mine that lives around here. And we talked all about thermals in that podcast. Uh, I should have been more prepared and, and had the episode number, but uh, I don't know. It's It's earlier than 50, I can tell you that. So... If you want to check that out, that'd be great. But yeah, so that was that was my Alabama season. You know, I'm I'm tagged out now. I've been hanging out, but my dad came in, and uh, we were able to. I'll just kind of make it short because I haven't released the video on this. I'm actually working on it right now. Um, but we were able to kill him a buck. Got it all on film, and got the whole thing. It was just super cool. I have not been able to experience that kind of hunt with my dad in a really long time. And being able to get that on film, dude, I, it's one of those things that I, like, in the moment, I could have cried because I know how much I will yeah. love the fact that I have that video one of these days, you know, whenever he's either too old to do anything or to do any any of this kind of stuff, we're going to have this memory. Or when whenever he's gone, you know, we'll be able to show right. our kids, I'll be able to show my grandkids this, this video just because – you know, I was able to go with him and, and actually sit in the tree with him. And uh, it was cool because it was his first deer out of a saddle. So he killed it out of my tethered phantom. Um, I guess you could call it a prototype. It, it's not the, the um, official phantom, but it's the, it's the same design. And uh, he got to kill it out of that. So that was really neat. And he also got to kill it uh, using kayak access because he was not able to bring his bass boat because he get, couldn't get his trailer lights to work. So he ended up bringing his new canoe, and it was his first ever deer to kayak out, and that was awesome to get to experience with him. He was so excited. We both were. We were both just over the moon, happy, Sweet, about, happy about what happened. And uh, it couldn't have worked, couldn't worked out better. So that was fun, but you can look out for that video pretty soon. It's going to be up on the YouTube channel. I don't want to give too much away because it was, it was fun. It was exciting. 
and uh, and I got to experience with my dad, so I, I'm, I was happy about it. Um, but looking forward, Heck yeah, man. Looking forward into the season, Drew. What's your what's your plans, man? Like, how are you how are you planning to go out and fill that last buck tag? Well, um, I'm gonna have Dad here with me, and and so Dad's um, we're gonna we're gonna hang out over on the club some, and then we we might venture into there's a uh, there's a piece of public. Um, Dad Dad's got a bad knee, and so it's hard for him to get up and down, and you know walk walk long distances and stuff, and so. Um, so we're, we're going to go to the club some, um, I get, there's a, I haven't hunted, uh, one of my permission properties. It's a 30 acre piece. I haven't hunted it at all this year. I've, I've stayed out of it. And so we're, we're going to go over there to that one. Um, and, um, and we're going to hunt that one. Um, it, it actually just had a clear cut or it, it just got clear cutted next to it. And so there's a big 40 acre piece there and it just, it, 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 it got all cut this year and so it's it's really changed the deer movement um a lot it's put it's put a lot more deer um on on that 30 acre piece because all that 40 acres was was literally just bedding i mean it was just it was just pines yeah and 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 so they were going up going up in there to bed so it's it's really changed the dynamic of that 30 acres and so so we're gonna we're gonna hunt that some um and um i'm i'm actually um going to be quite picky i think um because um, my my standard for for this year is that i, I wanted each buck to be bigger than than the previous and so um so hopefully um um we can we we can make that happen with it with a big buck but i mean i mean this this week really is about putting dad on some deer and and um and letting him get some some um, um shots at some bucks and so we're going I'm, I'm gonna try to do that and um and then if we and if I can't fill mine during that, then um, then I'm gonna go back to I've been I've I've been ground hunting a lot, man. Lately, I, I don't know. I just got I got the bug again, I guess. And so I've 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 just loved shooting them from the ground. And so that's what I'm gonna do if I can't fill it during this week. I'm I'm gonna hunt back. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna get back on some public and um, jump back into there and just try to shoot one from the ground before um christmas um because once once christmas gets here it pretty much wraps it up for us just because the deer their deer movement really just just goes off a cliff basically yeah and so we don't we, we don't see a whole lot and then we also have a our our baby girls do in the end of january so um you know gets getting ready for that too so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna hunt hard through through christmas and then basically um you know call it call it a call it a season man well i hope you get it done dude i'm uh i'm headed to tennessee next week so my wife gave me the yeah she gave me the green light which was super cool of her she is she i'm gonna let me tell you this i've had a great season and it is almost all due to my wife being a freaking rock star (laughs) of a wife like these dudes these dudes out here would be lucky to have her because she is Man, she's just been awesome. She's been so great to me through this deer season. Like she is, ah, man, she's just awesome. I can't, I can't say anything, anything more than that. She's just the best, you know. And she gave me the green light. She's gonna be going to Florida, and uh, I'm gonna go to Florida too. But I'm gonna go after I hunt in Tennessee. She gave me the green light to do that, so I'm, I'm super excited about it. It's gonna be 
I'm actually going to go one day this week and uh, and hunt with some some buddies, and then after that, I'm going to be in Tennessee for three days with uh, with Hunter Lindsay. Me and him are going to go down there and try to try to stack up some Tennessee deer. So I'm excited about it. It'll be pretty cool. But that's uh that's that's going to be probably pretty close to the end of my season. After that's over, like I'm probably going to be just about done. You know, if I can if I can get yeah some hunting time in in Florida, I'm going to um cuz you know how I am with Florida. I, I really want to kill a deer there, but um man, I, I don't know. I mean, it may just be all about family whenever we're there. And so uh yeah, that's going to be pretty much it. I'm excited about it, man. I'm I'm jacked. I hope you I hope you're able to kill one. Uh, especially it'd be really cool if you and your dad could both both get one uh here pretty soon. Yeah, man, that would that would that would be awesome. It, it, it'd be cool if we could double double there on the same day. That would be awesome. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, man, uh, it's getting late, and we're gonna have this podcast up soon. So, dude, good luck, and I hope it. I hope this next these next couple weeks are good to you. But uh, appreciate it, man. Same to you, man. I appreciate hey, guys, it, guys. Hey, get out. If you kill something, throw some pictures on there. Don't be a keyboard warrior. We don't we don't like the, that. Obviously, we we already discussed that. So don't be that. And but man, we we would love to see. Um, we don't care if it's a, a doe or a, a four point or a fourteen point. Man, just just throw it, throw it on the Facebook page. Throw it on or tag us on Instagram. We would we would love to see them. Absolutely. And if you are going to be out there chasing some deer around here in the late season, for some of you guys, it's probably even not even the rut yet. I know a lot of South Alabama, y'all still got, and, and some in North Alabama, y'all still got some time before the rut. But if you are out there, remember this, that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>